Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the war room. We got Tez, Q, Jimmy, PJ, B. Austin, a hot block commander. How you wanna end up one or two hours show to keep the brain running with the premises talk sports on a national level? Roll with the topic, sorta of like the rubber when it's game time. They like the Fab Five doing prime time. Sports conglomerates sweep their minds a little bit. The sports medicine, sports veterans and greats. The four for twenty-six, so the war in Kuwait. It's the war room with five nights at the round table. Five silly guys, diversified and educated. Yo, yo, what's good, War Room family? You're once again live in the War Room, brought to you by War Room Sports. On that War Room Sports Podcast Network, I'm one of your hosts. I'm Dev McMillan. I'm at the round table with my brother. We got B. Austin in the building, uh, Jimmy the Blueprint, and be with us in just a few minutes. This has been a week of leaving money on the table and examinations of good and bad teammates. So keep it locked right here for all of our discussions, and you'll get to know what we're talking about. Uh, we'll talk about this and a bunch of other ish happening in sports. And if you want to get in on the conversation, make sure you sign in right now to the JW Philly Realty chat room at blogtalkradio.com slash the war room or join us on Facebook or Twitter at War Room Sports. You can call us directly, though, in about 15 minutes uh, when we open up that digital extreme tech hotline. That number is 323 410 zero zero one two just press one when you're prompted uh <clears throat> but uh we'll we'll also be doing that after we talk with uh gus griffin and fred purdue we're gonna do some gambling and with fred we're gonna do some college football so before we get started make sure that during the week and we're not live on the air you check out archive episodes of our show um you can do that at the website worldroomsports.com uh, you can do it on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spreaker, Google, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, you can go ahead and 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 listen to the War Room whenever you feel like it. B, what's going on, good brother? How are you this week? Man, we still got the hardest theme music ever, ever, <laughs> ever, ever in life. Shout out to Dirty Dame. Um, you know, a lot of people, after as many years as we've been doing it, you know, they, they change up their theme music. And we, you know, we've had those discussions before, but I think it was always, you know, a unanimous vote. Like, yo, I don't think it's going to get better. So, <laughs> yo, it's going to be hard to, yo, like, yeah, hard to duplicate. Maybe <clears throat> if, maybe if Nas or Camel decided, like, you know, they wanted to honor yeah. the privilege of doing it, maybe... But outside of that, I just can't see, you know, Michael Jackson dead, Prince dead. <laughs> Prince like, who's going to do it? <laughs> <laughs> we just get a rocking joint by, like, Bruno Mars or something. We'd be dancing like a monk. All right, but look, man, real quick, man, before we get started, I, I want to make – it's not really make an announcement. Maybe it's the announcement to a potential announcement. Maybe soon I'll be making an announcement um, because I'm thinking that, like soon I might be stepping away from the program before indulge me in a story real quick. I'm gonna let you know, cause you know, it might be one of those things like a higher calling that that's come and I might have to listen to that calling. So let me, let me tell you a story real quick before we get started. Uh, Something that happened this week that, you know, had me rethinking things and the, the order of my life and everything. Right. So 
you know, I, I drove somewhere earlier in the week. So I, I get out the car. Um, and as I'm getting out the car, I mean, usually, you know, you could just push the little button on the handle, the door lock or whatever. I didn't do that. So I took out the little key fob and, and hit the lock button, right? So nothing happened. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, what the hell? So I turn around and I go back to the car. And I go back to the car. The doors are locked. And but it, so I try to unlock it with the key fob. Nothing's happening. It's not working. So I can't, you know, I'm I can't get into the car right now. So I'm like, all right, well, let me go in here and do what I'm doing. And then I'll come deal with it in a little while. So I, I did that. I come back out as I'm walking towards the car. I try to unlock it with the key fob again. Nothing's happening. The car's locked. I can't, you know, I'm thinking like, all right, I'm gonna have to, you know, grab AAA or something like that when it's time for me to roll. So you can, you know, the key fob has a little button that you can push. You you could take out a physical key. Now this key only works right. for the door because it's push button start. And this is, you know, this is on my on, on my loser cruiser for all you guys that know. You know, I got a big family. The wife forced me into a minivan. You know, it is what it is. Shout out to Jimmy Butler. He drives one too. So, <laughs> so I take out the physical key. I open the door. I get in. I try to push the the push button start. All the lights flicker. And then nothing. Everything just goes dark. So I'm like, damn, did my battery just die? Because I damn sure just bought one in August, you know, before that long ass drive to Disney World. So I don't know what's going on here. So I pop the, the hood. I go up to the front of the hood. I'm looking at the battery situation. I don't have capers, but I'm looking at the battery situation just so I can have things ready when I ask a stranger pulling by, you know, if I can get a jump, just trying to have things ready. So I look at the negative charge side, you know, the black side that's open. So you could just pop a joint on there. The positive side, I guess it's housed in like a little box. So you, I guess you have to open yeah, the little box. Red, little red box. Yeah. yeah, 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 right? So I'm like, all right, let me open the box. You know, just get everything ready. But yeah, I go to open the box. As soon as I touch it, I don't put any pressure on it, but as soon as my finger goes on the little latch part, I hear this noise, like, like this mechanic transformer type noise. And then the music comes on in the car. Remember, I'm standing outside the car. I'm standing outside the car. I touch the joint and all I hear is DJ quick. Cause you know, I, I listen to back, you know, not backspin, uh, rock the bells radio on, on, on a series a lot. So, you know, the old school stuff. So DJ quick is rocking. So I look over like, yo, so I get back in the car, push the button. The car starts. We gravy. Everything good. So the reason why I said, you know, I, I have to rethink things because of what happened. I'm thinking that, you know, this might be one of those moments. And shout out to Stan Lee. Rest in peace, Stan Lee. This might be one of those moments mm-hmm. where you find out that you're a superhero. I'm that thinking Black Lightning is not just on TV. Black Lightning might be here. He might be a little out of shape. But all I did was <laughs> touch that battery and the damn car started up. So... You know, I, I'm going to be thinking over the next few weeks because I might, you know, if I might, if I can hone these powers, and, you know, think about some things that I can do to use them for good or for bank robbery. I mean, for good, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> I might have to step away from the program and, and, and do that. So, you know, do you that's, high, that's high my story. And, and I hope, yeah, higher calling, man. If, if it happens, I hope that you guys understand. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's one of those Stanley situations where you find out that you got superpowers yeah. and you, you got to do something about it, man. So, you know, gotta just want to let you guys know ahead of time so it won't be like a slap in the face 
when I, yeah. when I decided to make that decision. Man. Just wanted to let you know. Le'Veon Le- <laughs> Bell discovered that he has superpowers, the power of stupid. <laughs> We're going to talk about Le'Veon actually in a few minutes um, after we talk to, to Gus and we talk to Fred. So let's get into those things real quick so we can move on and get to Le'Veon because he is probably the biggest sports story of this past week. So, um, <laughs> yeah. It, it's wrong it, with him? <laughs> It's a, it's a lot of perspectives. There's a lot of ways we can break that down, a lot of ways we can peel that onion, and we're going to do that in just a minute. But before we do, Hot Topic and Gambling with Gus <laughs> and College Football with Fred Perdue are all brought to you by my bookie. Let's talk about some money for a minute, fam, and how much you can make betting on sports contests at my bookie. The NBA, NFL, NHL are all chugging along. So if you haven't checked out my bookie, this is a great time to do just that. Lay down some dough on the biggest games in sports. Join the war room and thousands of other online players placing bets at mybookie.ag. Not .com, not .net, mybookie.ag. You guys tired of wondering what services are thinking on your corner when it's pay me time? (laughs) That's why we urge you to join my bookie. You win, they pay, no ass betting, no hassles. You get your money right away. You're wasting your time sports betting anywhere else. They even have in-game live betting so you can place wagers after the game start. So that, that that's kind of crazy. So join now, and my bookie will match your first deposit with a 100% bonus. What you put in, they put in. You heard it right. Yeah, I've been, 100%. I've been telling you. Promo code war room. <laughs> all caps. That's W-A-R-R-O-O-M for those that can't spell. That's how you activate the offer. Visit mybookie.ag today. Play win, get paid, period. So we're about to play, win, and get paid while gambling with the homie Gus Griffin. We're going to get him on the line now. Uh, Gus, what's going on? You had a two and four week last week. That's a little below the standards that you've set so far this season. Um, but that does leave you still in a good position for the, for the season. You're 25-22-2, and two, and we do have to give you props. You know, not against the whole spread thing, but we got to give you props for at least calling that Titans upset over the Patriots because there weren't a lot of people picking that game. What's up with you, Gus? I'm all right. Um, I got to give you credit for that opening story, man. You had me actually going for it, man. I, I thought it, man, what happened? Man, you you got to go for it, good, man. man. I've, I've seen too many... <laughs> And and the and the crazy thing happened, man. The the irony of it, it happens on the same week that Stanley dies, and you try and tell me that the man upstairs is not trying to tell me something. So I well, have to. Here's what's gonna happen. Your folks are gonna reveal to you that before you before you were, you knew anything about it, you had an operation. They put a metal plate in your finger, and they just never told you they didn't want you to feel weird or anything. <laughs> right, and now it's all you know. It, it, it's always a backstory, but you know, too. Maybe, maybe Stan wrote it before he died. Maybe it'll come out now. It'll all come together for me. All right, but we gonna get into some of these games. And like I said, shout out to you calling that upset, um, the Titans over the Patriots, because I spoke about that on another on an NFL show that I do, and you know, we we didn't think we we thought the Titans, you know, winning a few games. We told everybody to slow down and. I don't know. <laughs> they out of the gate now, so we're going to see what they do. But we're going to start you off with this Thursday nighter. 
The over-under for the Packers and Seahawks is 50. What are you taking? I'm taking the over. The Packers' offense is getting healthy. Um, Seattle's defense is a long way from being the Legion of Boom. And as a result, uh, you know, Karen and um, – and um, the offense, they, they they pretty much concluded they don't have to keep up. So they they throw the ball more. They don't have a great running game. So we don't have two great defenses here. Um, I got the I got the over fifty in that one. All right. Uh, the next game we got those uh, Cowboys that just put it on our birds. <laughs> um, they're facing the Fal- Falcons, and that line is uh, three, I believe. What are you What are you going with with this one? You going with the Cowboys plus three. Uh, Ezekiel is finally starting to look like the Ezekiel that we knew a couple of years ago. The Falcons can't stop the run. They they give up about five point two per carry. So that's not a, it's just not a good matchup. Um, and it's, it's it's just not a good matchup for the Falcons defense. And the other thing is, um, much to the Eagle fans' chagrin, that Prescott made the kind of downfield throws in that game that has been lacking from the Cowboy offense. He made several of them to his credit. And, of course, Atlanta is not the kind of defense that's going to discourage you from being able to do that. So, I got the Cowboys plus three. Wouldn't be shocked they went out right. Yeah, they, they, they yeah, sure the did. also and lost one, two, and three quarterbacks. Yeah, but I, but I wonder if they're going to keep that up because the Cowboys had, you know, they had the must-win moniker on that game. The, the whole mm-hmm. franchise was in disarray. You have former players, former Hall of Fame players saying that they need to blow it up. So they came out and played an aggressive game like they should have. The problem is Garrett will be the guy who, you know, makes that point that first week and then goes back to what he was doing prior to that, and then they squander it all away again. But we'll see how that goes. The next one is the Bears-Vikings over-under. That number is 44.5. Yeah, I'm taking the under. These are two of the top three run defenses in the league. And neither quarterback, Trubisky or um, Kirk Cousins, neither are the kind that uh, are really that you really fear when you know they have to throw. Now, they, they're supplemental. Trubisky's getting better, so he's still at a stage where, you know, he may be that someday. Um, but uh, I think both defenses are going to pretty much make the other team one-dimensional, and they both have the kind of pass rush that you don't want to face when they know you're going to throw. So I, I, I got the under there. All right. Um, and we got those pesky Titans again who, who want to beat everybody so far this season. Um, they're playing uh, division rival the Colts. What's the line on that one and how you going with it? Uh, right now it's um, the Colts by one and a half. It's come down. Uh, generally in division games, um, if, if a team is less, if a team is on the road and they're less than a three-point underdog, you just take them to win outright because three points you get that for being at home. But the other piece, from a football standpoint, um, this is this matchup is much like last week. The Titans are deep at corner, um, and th- they can take away things that most teams can't take away. Um, and so uh, I, th- I think right now they're looking like the Jacksonville Jaguars of last year, except they made the playoffs last year. They're getting healthy, so I got the Titans winning outright. Okay. And speaking of the Jacksonville Jags, uh, we got them uh, playing your Pittsburgh Steelers. What's the line on that one, and how are you moving? Right, right now it's um, Pittsburgh by six. I'm taking the Jags plus a six. 
Um, not expecting them to win. Well, I certainly hope they don't win. But they, they just match up well with Pittsburgh. Um, and even with all the slump that the Jags have gone through, they still have the best pass defense in football, uh, statistically anyway. And so I think that they can stay in it and make it a game. Uh, they're at home. They certainly do. So I've taken the Jags plus six. All right. So that's it for this week. Um, you know, hopefully you can get back on the winning track and keep that over 500 record that you have for the season. We don't want you getting any of our um, uh, our audience members evicted from their, you know, wherever they live, betting on the rent money. There's a disclaimer at the bottom of every wager. <laughs> Shout out to Tobias for that one because he, he is a better and – you know, last season, that's what he was called. He was like, Gus, uh, giving me these eviction picks. But <laughs> we're back on the winning side of this now. So, um, of course, thanks for your time. And you said you got, uh, you're got you going to have something out on the website sometime this week, right? Yeah, I, um, it was on a flash at work today, and they canceled the, the college. They closed it. So I'll get the final edit and get it to you sometime tomorrow. I'll be on Lady Beyond in part, but also on Des Bryant's and on Eric Reed. Okay, cool. We look forward to that. Everybody check out War Room Sports sometime tomorrow or at the very latest Saturday um, to get a good read. And Gus, thanks again, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, enjoy, man. All right. Gus Griffin, everybody, right, go Gus. out there. Get your bets on. That, that Thursday nighter was a part of that over-under. Go make a bet. Go get it in. All right, so um, all right, it's college football time. We're gonna talk a few minutes with Fred Purdue about what's going on in the world of college football. Fred, are you there, good brother? What's going on, fellas? How y'all doing? What's up, man? How are you? Man, I'm, everything's everything, <laughs> unless you're a Miami Hurricane. Dang, I am a Miami. Hurricane. Yeah, yeah. Everything isn't all that great. Yeah, yeah, man. Sorry to hear that. <laughs> I know it's been kind of rough, man. It's been kind of rough for you. All right, so yeah, we're gonna jump, we're gonna jump right into this though. You know, we just want to talk college football playoff rankings and a little bit of Heismanomics. Just checking in from last week because the rankings are actually the same as last week with Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and Michigan uh, making their cases for the the top four for the playoffs. If everything ended today, um, what, what you got? You, you see anything changing, or or was anything? Did you think they got it wrong, or you know, did they get it right again? What's your thoughts? Man, this this Heisman race is. I have. It's been a while since I've said this. Is, there's been a really clearly defined Heisman race where. There's the one, number one, two, maybe even three are just that much better than everybody else. Still at the top, Tua Tonga Viola. I mean, this one's not even close, even though he's, his offensive line is kind of let him down against uh, Mississippi State. But quite honestly, even with the, the struggles that the offensive line had, uh, he still played pretty well. Uh, the injuries are going to really – a determining factor. As long as he can, as long as he's available, he's going to win this thing right now. Uh, nipping at his heels, Kyler Murray, Oklahoma quarterback. He's where, everything. Fred, where, where did you see Tippy Top of the Topa uh, falling out <laughs> in the NFL? 
Uh, where do you where do I think he'll be? Where do I think he'll be? Um, where do you think he'll say, be? Well, he'll be a quarterback and uh, with the first pick in the 2020 NFL draft, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Oakland <laughs> Raiders, um, whoever whoever's a really really bad team right now at quarterback. If you're Russell using a quarterback, skip. Yeah, yeah, Russell, Russell actually, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's actually it's funny that you say that because that's who I compare him to. The, the first time I saw him play against Louisville at the beginning of the season, he made a play, and I said, dang, is that Russell Wilson or is that Tua? Um, he spun around in the pocket and, and shook a guy and, I mean, within a phone booth, threw it up, and completed his first pass for a touchdown. I mean, every time I see this guy, he's making plays, and, yeah, he's not the scramble guy. He's not the super scramble around do crazy things all the time, but he's pinpoint accurate, and he has a good arm. I mean, he can read defenses. It's not like this is a college quarterback where he can just – he's just making predetermined reads, and he's – no, 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 no. This dude is going one to two to three to four sometimes. Uh, He's able to step up in the pocket. He's mobile. He's a very mobile uh, quarterback without actually leaving the pocket. And to, I mean, be mm. honest, you know, we, we can talk we can talk like that all. These are technical terms. We can talk like this all the time. But, you know, being able to move around in the pocket and be mobile in the pocket is something that very few quarterbacks can do, a la Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, uh, Russell Wilson. Man, Tua Tonga Viola mm. is, is way beyond his years. And yeah, I want to see him grow a little bit more. Uh, so he needs needs one more year of this whole thing, but if he keeps this up, he's already scary good. He can be really You're big. Good. Okay, all right, all right. He's, I'm gonna look. And by the way, he has, a, he has a little brother right behind him. His brother's right behind him. His his brother's gonna be another a freshman one? next year. Yeah, his brother's gonna be a freshman next year at Alabama. Wow. All right. All right, so you said Tua, Kyler Murray, who else? Yeah, Kyler, Kyler Murray, the base. He's we all we know what he does. He he just scores points, runs away from people. I I personally say, can we get just a small preview of you in the NFL just to see? I I keep saying because he's not just the typical dual threat quarterback. I want to see him. Um, I want to see him at the next level, but he's already chosen baseball. So we're just watching a really good athlete just slice and dice teams. Uh, it would be even worse if, uh, and I actually, actually, I think it's a, it's a godsend that he his defense is terrible. I know you're saying, huh? That makes no sense. But kind of like Tua, his team is so good that if if he had a decent defense, um, he wouldn't play in the second half. So he's in shootouts week in and week out. So he's having to put up 300 yards and through the air and maybe 100 yards on the ground. I mean, he puts up video game numbers and that's only enough to maybe get by by maybe a touchdown or so. Um, at number three, uh, for, I've been wanting to knock Will Greer out of it, but it's really hard not to. Will Greer, quarterback at West Virginia, has been a really good college quarterback. I'm not a big fan of him as far as NFL things are concerned. Uh, but that's a, that, right now that's not really a factor. But he put he is in control of one of the best offenses, in college football, um, he's connected at the hip with one of the better receivers uh, in college football who happened to used to be – he used to be a quarterback too. So he, he he has a chance to really just make plays, and he can do it. He He's one of those quarterbacks that can he, – he has a connection with, with uh, his receiver, David Sills, where 
he can just close his eyes and make a throw and blindly throw it. And I'm pretty sure he could probably complete it. He's, they're that good together. Uh, so Will Greer, uh, Florida fans, I know you you heard about that one, but he's right there at number three, and that's a distant third. And last but not least, and this one's a distant, distant fourth, um, is uh, Dwayne Haskins, Ohio State. Uh, he has a chance to come out after the year is over, but I think he'll come back. But he has all the tools when you want to when you look at a really good quarterback. He struggled a bit uh, over the last couple weeks. When teams put a little bit of pressure, especially up the middle, uh, he is a little gun shy, but he's been making plays all across the field. Um, he has tons of help everywhere. This he may get a little bit of a boost uh, if he can do things big things against uh, against Michigan at the end of the year. But he's really playing for second or actually third or fourth. That's what he those him and Will Beer are doing. Because quite honestly, you could cut this whole thing off at. Um, Tua and Kyler Murray. It's just it's kind of like back when Reggie Bush and Vince Young were kind of going at it. You knew it was those two and nobody else. All right, just real quick um, on the uh, the playoff rankings. Did they get it right again? Uh, same as last week. Nothing's changed until something changes. I like what I see. Uh, things will change at some point, or they have at least a chance of changing. Uh, Alabama and Clemson uh, both play championship games, and they play rivalry games. So we have a long way to go, so nobody should be content where they are. Um, I really like this Notre Dame defense, and I hate saying anything nice about those little green people that live up in South Bend. Uh, And Michigan has a really good defense, so – uh, they got it right so far. Uh, this is at the point of the time, of the year where I wish maybe there's an 18 playoff because now then we can see what all all of these teams can do in a free throw. But for right now, yeah, for all four, perfect. All right, well, that's what's up, everybody. If you want to hear more in depth talk about college football, you can check Fred out uh, at WarroomSports.com on his program Quick Slants, where he talks. Everything college football, uh, make sure you check that out, warroomsports.com or on the War Room Sports YouTube page. But, Fred, thanks for your time. You know we always appreciate it. And we'll wrap to you next week. Hopefully we get some changes here, man. It's boring when, you know, the, the playoff rankings stay the same, man. Somebody got to take that L or somebody got to get a real big win and let the committee do something controversial. We need some controversy. Yeah. So definitely so we'll my, talk my team's next out. week, hopefully with some controversy. All right, man. I appreciate it. Have a good one. Uh, all right, you too. Fred Purdue, everybody, of Quick Slants. Check them out, warroomsports.com or the War Room Sports YouTube page every week. All right, B, a lot of stuff went on Tuesday, and we're going to get to the phone lines in a minute after we get everything revved up. Um. Biggest story of the week. Well, before we get to that, you know, I always gotta, I always gotta have my, my ball report. Um, no Serbia. Um, <laughs> gotta, gotta, gotta get the ball report. In real quick. Remember, we talked about Lamelo going back to high school. Jello trying to get in the in the the G League. Yada yada yada. Well, the latest this week is schools. These powerhouse schools that they actually play. At Spire Academy, um, several of them are dropping out of their games with LaMelo. 
Um, main reason being, you know, you guys are playing with somebody on your roster who was a professional player. Um, one of the schools that dropped out was uh, Lumaire, uh Academy. I believe it's an academy. It's not. Shout out to Lumaire. Oh, it's called Lumaire School. Um, Oak Hill Academy. Everybody knows them with the basketball powerhouse. Wow. And all the, Oak the players Hill Duncan and, um, Oak Hill Duncan Network? There was another one. Uh, I don't know. Well, the, the Oak Hill said this because you know they're in Virginia, and their conference or the, the 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 guidelines that they adhere to is the VISAA guidelines. Those guidelines require its members to only play non-conference schools that adhere to the VISAA eligibility rules, Section Seven. Um, Lamelo's questionable eligibility for high school athletics was too much of a risk for Oak Hill. So they said, you know, we will play the game if dude didn't play that night. Um, the other school, you know, they didn't give a reason that had anything to do with lines, but they just said uh, the scholar athletes at Lemaire School uh, are here to prepare in every way for success at the college level. We aim to put together as competitive a schedule possible for our team but we've never played against a team whose roster includes any players who've played at the professional level. With the recent news that someone who has played professionally intends to play for Spire Academy, we are not comfortable moving forward with our game slated for next Tuesday against Spire. Um, I don't. I look at this differently, B. I don't look at this as a as a ducking work situation. I look at this as these people trying to send a message situation. I look at these people as folks who probably don't adhere to the the LeVar ball rule. They probably don't like Unkvar. So they're going to send a message. And and personally, if I had a kid who was playing ball at Spire, because I know they have maybe two, three kids who've already committed. But if I had a kid at Spire and he hasn't committed, hadn't signed anything yet, I'd be a little upset with this situation because now this dude is, is messing with my son's season and his chance to do what he has to do you know, because he and his dad wanted to you know, leave high school, go play overseas, come back, play professional in another league that he created. And now when all of that doesn't work, you know, I'm going to jump back into high school and, <laughs> and ruin some more lives. So I, I, I don't think they're ducking work. I think they're trying to send a, a message. Um, Spire seems to be unwilling to sit him against the teams that are asking him to sit. So they kind of have his back. But like I said, if I was a parent of somebody at that school, I think I'd have an issue with this. Should well, on the whole listen, Spire, Spire, in the words of uh, Big G and uh, our brother Jimmy quotes, Spire got to die on that lot. So they got to ride with the guy that they selected. I look at mm-hmm. this in multiple perspectives. First, the child, the kid in me, the competitor in me would say, coach, he ain't better than us. Yo, let's which, beat up which, on him and show him what's up. Like that's which is why I guarantee you, me that this isn't the students. Um, you no, know, no, this no. Isn't, I, I was. I said it's multiple perspectives. So the I know you got surprised though when I said Oak Hill. Oak Hill is led by Cole Anthony, who's a top three player in the class of 2019. Oak Hill's probably gonna blow Spire out either way, and he's probably gonna give Mellow buckets. But the school, I think they want to send a message. They don't want to set a precedence, probably. Like, all right, people won't start doing this because we don't play normal high school schedules. 
people are going to think, you know, these type of schools is where you're going to go when you want to get your eligibility back. I was right. I was right with you. I mean, as a as an administrator, as a coach, I would be ready to send LeVar Ball a message to kids. We can't do this, and here's why, and I will break it down to them. As a player, I want to beat up on him. As a coach or an administrator, I do want to show his pop, listen, you don't run history over here. Um, and then as a parent, <laughs> a parent of expire student athlete, student, ha, 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 athlete. No, um, how many classes they go to? <laughs> athlete, I would be irate, and I would be throwing a, a, a fit to the um, athletic director, the principal, and the coach. Like, look, your 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 decision to allow him to play is costing your team and my child. I'm not with it. We give us our transfer and peace. Yeah, and that's the thing. If I'm, you know, if I'm in high school and I'm still a player, I'd love to play this game. I'd be so upset at my coaches and, and athletic directors for canceling this game because one, you know, I would already have the attitude that I'm better than dude anyway. But two, Melo brings attention. You know what I'm saying? Like more eyes are going to be on this game because it's uh, LaMelo ball, because it's LeVar ball. And if I do my thing in this game, which I will, then that's better for me. You know what I'm saying? Everything is better for me. But, you know, when you got these programs that's trying to send that message, you're not going to get them to be on board with that. So uh, it is what it is. It is what it is. But it's not – it just seems like things aren't working out for the unk um, too much lately because it's like he's trying to bust a U-turn on everything that he's done so far. And a lot of people out there are like, oh, no, nah, we ain't going to let you do this now. All right, biggest story of the week. And, and once we get into this, we'll get into the phone line because I'm pretty sure um, the homie Tobias, who's waiting, is going to want to talk a little bit about Le'Veon. A lot of mixed um, – a lot of mixed – emotions about what's happening, but if you've been living under a rock, Le'Veon Bell um, did not report by 4 p.m. on Tuesday. He will forfeit the rest of his season and about $14.5 million to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, they, you know, he and his agent are claiming it's a business decision. Um, I'm sitting, I'm thinking the story that we're going to briefly touch on next might have had a little something to do with it. He might have saw Des come out and didn't even make it to the field. Um, he has a whole lot more writing on his decision than Des Bryant. But for the life of me, I still can't fathom his end game to this. I, mean, I guess end game is already come and gone now, but I never realized his end game. Like when we even thought that there was a chance that he wouldn't report at all. I couldn't fathom what the end game was. I don't see what the benefit of it is. A lot of people are talking like he's some trailblazer and, you know, this is going to have a great impact on Lee. I don't see it. I see the brother losing $14.5 million. And i tell you how I would have handled it if I was Le'Veon and I still wanted to stick it to the Steelers. It would have been a little different, but what's your thoughts on it? Um, I, I think that Le'Veon is tripping. I think that um, he's missing out on money, and there's no guarantee that he will play the next two, three, four years 
and that long-term deal is going to be a benefit to him. I'm wondering what other teams are telling his agent, seriously. I have a feeling that he's probably already gotten some promises from some teams because I just don't see you having the gall to do this without knowing for sure that you're going to at least get the contract that you were looking for. I'm, I'm not going to use the word recoup because that 14 and a half is gone. He's never getting that back. And that's my only issue with it. Like if you want to stick it to the Steelers and I mean, because the, the holdout kind of backfired anyway, but your backup is in there putting up the same kind of numbers that you put up, whether the impact is the same or not, you know, the team is still leading the division. They only have two losses and a tie and he's putting up those numbers. So even if the eye test tells you like this dude is not Le'Veon Bell, even though he's putting up Le'Veon Bell numbers, it is what it is. And I think the Steelers, as long as they can keep him happy, are cool with the situation because they get to save $14.5 million in the process. My problem with Le'Veon, like I'm not calling him stupid for any other reason, but thinking about his family, I don't know what his family situation is, but I'm pretty sure he takes care of himself and some other people. Like, I'm just like, that's a hard pill to swallow for, you know, your handlers, your agents to, you know, encourage you if that's what they did to give up $14.5 million. I told you weeks ago what I thought he should have done, you know, on the hush-hush. Come in at some point in the season, because you were losing money by the week, come in at some point before the deadline, sign the, the franchise tender, fake an injury. Get your money and still don't play. Stick it to the Steelers. Hey, whoever find out, you know how fans are. They find out you're faking. The fans don't have so much to say. But, hey, who, who's going to know? Who's going to know? Because all you can, you know, a lot of people, you can use that that football shape excuse anyway. You know, he's been out there practicing on his own, 24-hour fitness. Like, <laughs> according to professional football players, that doesn't put you in football shape. So, that's what I would have done, rather than lose yeah. all this money. But to have the heart I, to do I that, can, somebody got a hush-hush deal I, on the side, B. I can't, I can't reconcile the $14.5 million loss and – it, and then I go back to a burden hand is worth a half dozen in the bushes. Like I know the think the logic, the logic here is, well, I'm looking to get, you know, somewhere between 12, 13 and 15 million a season on a four year deal, 60 million with 30 million guaranteed or 35 million guaranteed or whatever. He wants more than half of the deal guaranteed. I get it, but I don't get it because I don't think losing 14 and a half is worth <laughs> gaining 30 guaranteed, and you're not guaranteed to get that deal that you're looking for. Right. I, I don't know. I got a couple of things from the World Sports Game Time group. First, shout out to Casey Mack about the last story. He said, Oak Hill got morals all of a sudden. Too funny. That is true. <laughs> like Oak Hill, they're probably <laughs> even having pros play for them for <laughs> for years. Anyway, um, uh, Casey, uh, Casey Mack also said, uh, what kind of contract can Le'Veon sign that everybody's going to say, oh, okay, I get it. And that's my point. I don't think there is a contract like that unless he gets quarterback money. I mean, the problem with the Steelers and Le'Veon was, he wanted more than just running back market value because he feels that he's so versatile. Right. He's a running back and a receiver. Blah, blah, blah. What did he, even what if he, he did? 
contract wise. No exact number, but I think even if he gets that, I still don't I still don't think that'll be a oh okay we get it type moment because that is what he was expecting from the Steelers from jump anyway. So to say oh okay we get it after losing fourteen and a half million dollars, this dude gotta get a Kirk Cousins contract. And that's not gonna what happen. What did Gurley what did Gurley get? Gurley got something stupid like <laughs> I think he Something like thirty-two million dollars uh, guaranteed. I'm not sure. Don't quote yeah. me on that. If somebody in the group or the chat room knows, thirty-something guaranteed. Le'Veon is looking for a similar or more deal, and having held out, and because of his age, it's not coming. Like I don't <laughs> see dude more than 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 twelve or thirteen mil a season, and no one's going to guarantee more than two years on the deal. Like that—that's right. just the right. Not—not not that he's like old and decrepit, but we know how you know running back age get and, and how teams get around that. Um, he's going to get. I mean, there's going to be at least twelve teams lined up to try to sign him next year, so it's going to be a bidding war. And like I said, I'm pretty sure he already has something in mind to make him do this in the first place. He has something guaranteed where he can listen to other suitors, and if they don't match whatever he's already heard. You know, which is you know on the lows tampering, but um, I guess after this week it's not. Um, I keep going back to the last story because I keep seeing stuff. Shout out Skyview in the in the chat room. He said we have a school here called Finlay Prep. They literally recruit the best players from all over the world, not the region, not the U.S., but the world. He said those other schools where they just up their recruitment game. I, I don't, like I said I don't know La Lumere school, but I do know Oak Hill. I don't think they have a problem with their recruitment game at all. I just really think they're trying to stick it to, to Uncle R at this point. Um, and then he said, Le'Veon Bell, two words, no, Nerland's Noel. <laughs> true, true. But I, I think he's in a much better position leverage-wise than Nerland's Noel. So I don't think it'll be that bad. But 14 and a half, man. Le'Veon, way better than what he said. Gurley, four years, $57.5 million with $45 million guaranteed. So, so yeah, I mean, you demand that much. You try to demand that much. They may give you a little bit less because you're a little bit older than dude. Um, but then they're also going to have that, that, that reluctance because you missed a year. While some may look at it from a perspective of, okay, he saved his body, he recharged, some people are still going to be like, all right, he's still aged another year, though, and he's not in, no, no. quote, football shape. <laughs> They're not going to give him that because even when he was, quote, unquote, healthy, Le'Veon Bell hasn't played a full 16 games in, like, three seasons. <laughs> all right, well, let's see what the homie Tobias got to say. He's been waiting on the line. Tobias, roll damn tight. What's up with your boy, Levian? I just want to say real quick that, hey, dirt cutter's still incompetent. That's all I got to say. Uh, <laughs> hey, yeah. hey, this, 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 this dude's going to throw, throw his mama under the bus thinking that he going to save his job. How the hell that you call the plays now? You get 500 yards of total offense and get only three points against a team that missed a half their team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Missing their damn whole hey. offensive line. That, hey, that, hey, that hey, game hurt me, man. I needed y'all to win that, especially hey, since we done blew a game and we about to get smashed this week. 
<laughs> but here's the problem, though. Everybody, hey, the problem with him is he, he, he fired the defensive coordinator, benched the quarterback, finally cut the kicker, let Deshaun Jackson say he can come in whenever he feels like he to kick return punch. But, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, but yeah, it's on him now because guess what? He's the coach. It's on I, him. It he is, can't throw nobody else on the bus. That's what I'm about to say. Like, what do you expect him to do? You have to throw other people under the bus to buy yourself time. And after you scapegoat everybody else and it doesn't work, then it's time for you to roll. It reminds me of the yeah. time when you know, in Philly – uh, jobs were on the line, so they scapegoated the defensive coordinator. Um, what's, my, what's, what's the homie name, B, who used to be an offensive line what? coach, so people acted Wait. like he, you know. And the defense oh, wasn't the problem. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They, they scapegoated him. They did the same thing with the with, with the little homie that they ran out of town, and now he's the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. I'm like, y'all keep letting good coaches go because y'all letting this dude scapegoat everybody because he's not getting it done. Soon, like and they hire a bad one. about Dirk Cutter, soon enough, you run out of people. So now, all eyes on you. Shout out to Pop. Because, see, <laughs> the, thing that ki- the thing that kills me is that I always tell people, like Mike Evans, right, he's a top ten receiver talent-wise, but he hasn't gotten any better. When you watch him, do you ever see him move around? It's always, hey, I'm going to line him outside against the other team's best corner. Why they don't put mm-hmm. him in motion? Why he don't yeah, put him in the slot and take advantage of that? Yeah. Ben Simmons of football. Uh, All the talent in the world, but not too much improvement from year to year. <laughs> yes. And, and and so sometimes it's like, and they talk about, oh, get another quarterback. We're a quarterback. Hell, who the hell are you going to get? What's out there? Tyrod Taylor? And if you get a young quarterback, do you Tyron want always this guy coaching him? Yeah. The Peterman is available. Coaching him? Hey, Sam Bradford's available, but do you want this the guy Peter coaching man. him? The Peter Man is available, man. Y'all better, y'all better yeah, see y'all can salvage the Peter Man. Get y'all a quarterback whisper in there so he can make the Peter Man look good, and then he'll get the head Yo. coach and then stake it up. Yeah, because all, all jokes aside, I always think that sometimes it where I'm not saying the, the guy is going to be at Drew Brees or nothing, but I'm saying sometimes it's where you go sometimes where you get stuck with. And, uh, because I've always said, look, some you, you, no one can name me a Super Bowl winning quarterback in his prime who was a great quarterback in their prime who had an incompetent coach when they best run. You can't name it because sometimes these young guys, they need organization. They need all that. And and if you're dysfunctional, it may hurt. It hurts the team. It hurts the guy you got in the center. Then when you say, hey, we can go back out here and do it again, it sucks because there ain't nothing this year. It may be nothing next year. Right. What's your thoughts, Tobias, real quick on um, Le'Veon Bell leaving all that money on the table? Cool with it? It was foolish. No, oh, you said it was foolish. Yeah, I did. Yeah, because like I said, I, man, come in and fake an injury. Um, <laughs> let us call you a a B A N for that, but don't let us call you stupid for giving up all that bread. Hold on a second. You there? Uh, yeah, but you know, right. like, you know, Tobias is ducking and dodging. Oh no, 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 no. sorry, sorry about that. Sorry about that. No, I had somebody walk in. Here's the thing: if he was if he was Khalil Mack, he could have pulled that off because of the position he plays. Uh, because of defensive ends that are running back. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, pulled it off then. You know, it was just a bad. It was bad for Le'Veon from jump, man. When this dude James Conner came in, and because for the first few weeks, you know, I'm I'm critiquing the dude, and I'm like, well, he's getting production, but I'm giving more props to like the I'm like maybe the Steelers is you know they, they got that kind of offense, they got that kind of line, because he kind of looked like a tiptoer to me, and he didn't look confident when he was running, but he's getting more confident as the weeks go on. So the only way that Le'Veon been able to throw this in their face after the production that James Conner had started to, you know, give to them was prior to the deadline, James Conner getting hurt. Then he holds some more leverage. He holds some of the cards. What he's going to go. Running all over your whole problem, <laughs> problem is where he's going to go. Who's going to tie that up? Because usually teams pay their homegrown running backs that money. Oh, he, he, that's what they I, I, The Jets already said, we'll take them. And we'll pay him. So that might be the hush hush one that ain't so hush hush. Uh, you got the jet. You got a, a, a list of teams, man. Uh, there's a few teams out there. Don't worry. Eagles don't get it. Eagles is on the list, but how we ain't spending that? They are on the list. They are on the list. I don't know if they'll actually spring for what he wants, um, but they're on the list. But I think the Jets, who have like twenty-two million dollars or something like that in cap space for next season. I think they're already in the front of the line with their hands up, like like a new pair of Jordans coming out. Um, I think me. they're all. Give it, to me. You know, it only takes it one. It's worth a shot. You know, it actually, it's worth a shot. But I'll say this before I go. Can I touch a basketball thing real quick? I hate when these LeBron sexuals being these feelings of, oh, do you want to play LeBron? Since LeBron is the system, a player like Tyson Chandler fits better with him. He's a role player. He does his thing. He's not He's not a star. And I think that type of player fits best with LeBron. It's not a knock against LeBron. It's just the way it is. And people act like it ain't okay. It's it's the way it is. It's okay. Yeah. Tyson Chandler yeah, I mean, fits better with know, him than probably Anthony Davis. If you, know, you know, if people know anything about basketball, they would know that that has to be true. I mean, look at all the talent they had in Miami. I mean, they had three of the mm-hmm. top 10 to 15 players in the league at one time. And, you know, when they went up there saying we were going to win not six, not seven, not eight, there was a lot of us out here that believed it because we were like, man, they just, it's just too powerful. I mean, who's going to stop those guys? But then you realize, you know, this is the NBA, um, and, and not more so for the competition, but for the fact that these guys are used to playing a certain way because they're all superstars. So it takes a while to mesh. And once you really get it going, you know, that window that you thought you had, might have been gone. Sure. Like we expected them to win way more than uh, three Tobias. titles. Your man LeBron James cost Chris Bosh his spot in the Hall of Fame. If Chris Bosh doesn't get in, it is squarely on the shoulders of LeBron James. He turned Chris <laughs> Bosh into a corner three-point shooter. Chris Bosh is 23 and 11. And, and which nah, is Ryan kind Hammer. of the point where making and it's not a knock on LeBron that's the thing when people say LeBron makes his teammates better he doesn't really make stars better he actually it's, makes it's them they actually have to sacrifice their game to, to be able to play with LeBron these other guys don't your ass just need to learn how to shoot get open and LeBron will make you look like a superstar so I think uh Tobias dropped off the line but thanks for your call good brother um but yeah, you know that that's always been the case. I don't understand why people get offended by that 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 notion because yeah. it's not a knock. Like he him. makes 
Yeah, he makes dudes look better because when LeBron leaves, don't nobody want Tristan Thompson. Don't nobody want uh uh you know your man uh what's the the, the pipe giver ball um. <laughs> <laughs> Earl, nobody, you know, nobody be banging with Earl all like that. Tristan's a bum, like so, you know, it's definitely not a knock. You know, that's a superpower. Earl didn't used to be a bum. I make bums look better, but if you're a superstar and you want to play with me, then you got to sacrifice your game. Uh, so that really, you want to get to the finals and be runner up, or do you want to go to the Hall of Fame? You make the choice. So <laughs> that really makes uh, that really makes it the whole LeBron makes people better, kind of an overrated statement, and it has to, context like we're giving now has to well, be provided. It has to be provided because if well, you're Vinny, a bum, a, you can make them better. It's an overrated statement, period, because every superstar mm-hmm. makes people better just mm-hmm. from their presence on the floor and all the attention that they get. Like for the people who be like, ah, oh, yeah, he just shot, he ain't make his teammates better, no. whatever. Yeah. We wouldn't have gotten to see Eric Snow and his broke-ass jump shot even start to make any of those jump shots if Allen Iverson didn't leave that man wide open. Like, no. you know, it's, it's, always, it's context to no. everything. It's an overrated statement, period. If you're a star player, of course the people yeah. that are less than you, that are around you, are going to look better because you're getting all the attention. <laughs> Yo, as I as I said, my man Bubba Chuck took Dylan, 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 and Dylan to the finals and won. Yeah. Come on, man! But, if that ain't but, making it better, I don't know what is. But you also got you know you got to give props to the coaching of that team to to how they structured oh, yeah, that absolutely. team. You know, because they made sure they knew what his strengths were. They knew what he needed to be successful. Let's get some dudes to play some grimy defense because he's not going to play any. Let's get some dudes to rebound because he's too small. Let's get some dudes that are going to set some grimy picks so he can run around freely, you know, and, and kill people. So, you know, it was a great team that they put around them. Not great in talent, not great in names, but that's the kind of, you know, that's you could be successful with that if you're as transcendent a talent as someone like an Allen Iverson. You know what I'm saying? That's the same type of team that a Russell Westbrook needs. But today we're we're stuck in these times where you need a second superstar. Um, you know, because you you can you can call Dikembe Mutombo a superstar if you want it, but you know he was only good at two things: re- blocking <laughs> shots and playing defense. I was about to say rebounding, but he wasn't like a hellified rebounder. He blocked shots and he played defense. Um, offensively, you wouldn't even give him the ball. When you gave Dikembe the ball and he made a little slow-ass turnaround move and shot that little jump hook and it went in, you were happy and surprised. So, you know, <laughs> for the people out there who probably screamed at the rest, ah, what about Dikembe? Come on now, that's Dikembe. All right. So um, shout out to Le'Veon, man. Whatever your plan is, we hope it works. Quick note, we talked about Des Bryant last week and how, you know, he joined the <laughs> – the Saints and B. Austin was killing him because he still had his, he still had his Philly Eagles versus Dallas Cowboys bias going on, so he was killing the dude. But Dez went out there and showed that he wasn't in what football shape. And his <laughs> second day with the club, supposedly the last practice, um, I'm sorry, the last play of practice. And I don't know if that's true or not. You know, they always want to try to you know dramatize 
is that the word dramatized? I don't know. They tried to bring some trauma to the situation um, and said it was they the last it up. Basically, capping it up. Um, said that on the last play, play of practice, he ruptured his Achilles. So I was only looking forward to Dez going to, to play the Cowboys on the 29th. So, you know, it is what it is. Shout out to Dez. I think his prospects for getting another job next year are greatly diminished. He barely could find a job this year. Now he's the same guy who couldn't get a job coming off of a, 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 a ruptured Achilles. So might be you know the last that, that, that team of Dez. So, so yeah, it, might, it could be now with, with the ruptured Achilles. Absolutely. I, I don't, it's a little bit of a, 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 it's not really true that Dez couldn't get a job. Dez had job offers. Dez just didn't want to play for what people were offering. Right. Right, no, right. He, so, he, got, about, he got an offer from the Ravens. It wasn't a lot, though. It still wasn't a lot of people lining up. So I think once those early offers came in, probably went to his head like, yeah, I'm going to be fielding these offers for as long as I want until I – and then nothing else came. <laughs> and then Des, like, you know, the Saints called. He was like, man, just give me a bag of peanuts and a plane ticket, and, and I'm there. And it didn't really work out for him. I mean, he got himself a couple dollars because I'm pretty sure they got to pay him something. And I come play. <laughs> so I think they picked up uh, Brandon Marshall, who started the season with the Seahawks. Uh, for who for what? Yeah, I don't know. But especially because they still, you know, they hanging 51 on people without Dez and without Brandon. I guess it's a depth move. They just need depth. That's all it is. I don't think they're looking at these dudes like – I don't think they're looking at them be like because they're former big names, they're going to come oh, in yeah, and help us. Point. I think it's just a death move, man, because they're fine where they are. They just need bodies. <laughs> as they much as bodies. I killed Dez because of uh, my bias, and I'm I'm a lightweight Brandon Marshall supporter. Yo, Brandon Marshall is bigger than us, slower than everyone, and can't catch no more. <laughs> yeah, this was once the man who held the single-game receptions record after T.O. Um, Shout-out to him. Um, quick stat of the week. Shout-out to LeBron Raymond James, the Kang. Um, another milestone. He just passed uh, Wilt Chamberlain the other night. He now sits at fifth on the NBA's all-time scoring list. Um, he does so with 31,420 career points. Um, and I believe it was a, a 44 point game that he did it in. So uh, shout out to Bron. Shout out to to Bron Bron moving up the charts. Um, he just seems like a place where you know his health and how it's been. Like unless he starts breaking down towards the end of his career, like a like a Kobe Bryant did after having a fairly a healthy career or at least playing through a lot of his injuries that weren't super major. Um, remember the time Kobe broke his hand, missed a few weeks and then came back with a glove on his right hand and shot everything with his left hand. What's wrong with you, man? I, I don't understand. Uh, you, you, you're, talking, you're talking about the NBA or high school. Cause he did that in high school too. Uh, I'm talking <laughs> no, about the NBA. No. I'm talking about the NBA Yo. when he had the purple glove on and he played left-handed for about two weeks. Like, I, just, I don't understand, man, as a fan of the game. Like, I don't understand how people can't like 
any of these dudes. Like, all of these dudes are great. But um, LeBron, with his health, if he stays a cyborg like he's been throughout his career, you know, he, he got that scope on Kareem. Kareem's sitting up there at 38,387. Um, LeBron's pretty much going to be, because of health, because of longevity, and because he's this damn good, he's going to pretty much be at the top of the list in a lot of categories, at or near the top. Of the drug, of a lot he's of getting better. LeBron's going to keep, keep going. Yeah. HGH. Um, I don't know how much team success that's going to breed or he, he end up with. You know, maybe he can eke out a, another championship, maybe two uh, with the – with the Lakers because that organization, once they have somebody who's still, you know, in superstar megastar mode, they're going to try their damnness to get people around them um, in order to make that work. So we'll see how that goes, but statistically, you know, give them a few more years and yeah, Kareem will finally be uh, taken down at the top of this list. All right. But that's our stat of the week, everybody. And uh, before we move on, just got to let you know the regular, the usual. Um, if you guys, uh, you know, when you want to check out anything that's going on with War Room Sports, you can go to the website, warroomsports.com. If you want to call in and speak with us about any of today's topics, dial the Digital Extreme Tech Hotline. That number is 323-410-0012. Press 1 when prompted. If you already listen from your phone, just go ahead and press 1 if you want to talk. But right now, we're going to get into... Uh, what happened this week while you good folks were on the grind and on the grind is brought to you by sports the book you guys tired of reading the same old sports books with the same lists rankings imaginary starting lineups uh, comparisons of the same players as if only two or three played in the NBA all that stuff all that subjective information being passed off as facts if you're tired of all of that be sure to pick up your copy of sports. That's an acronym, so stay with me. Smart people only read the sports. Now go back and spell sports and see what I said, and you'll like what we did there. Um, it's a mixture of sports and hip-hop culture. will keep you on the edge of your seat, and it'll also keep you laughing like you're watching a comedy special. Just go to sportsthebook.com or get your copy from our website at warroomsports.com. Wherever you get it from, it really doesn't matter as long as you get it. Just don't miss the movement. All right. So while y'all were on the grind this week, <laughs> man, it, it, it gets crazier and crazier every week, man. Former NFL player, <laughs> Charlie Rogers, who was a running back, I believe, with the Miami Dolphins, uh, he was arrested for bringing a sword to a youth football game. Now, that's a crazy story because <laughs> – I'm sorry. My bad. Listen, listen. But before he did it, he left threatening voicemails for a youth football player and then went to the game wielding a sword. What did this dude do? Like, there has to be more to the story that you know that these people aren't covering. Probably has something to do with a little girl. Might have a daughter. Might be something like that. So, you know, I'm not going to totally go out on dude. But he still deserves a JoJo Award for showing up to a oh, youth football game with a sword. Unless the youth football player said, all right, my pop, my uncle, everybody going to be there. So if you come, come correct. But a sword? Like, you, you ain't got nothing else? Now, you can do damage with a sword. Like, you can really mess somebody up with a sword, but it just seems 
corny. Like you came up there on some Game of Thrones type stuff. Like, <laughs> dude, <laughs> like what are we doing here? Sword? After leaving messages, this has to be about a daughter. I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt, B. I hope it's about a daughter because, you know, I got two daughters. You got a daughter. You got, you, I got two daughters. You got two daughters. If a sword is all I got in my crib, you know, I, I'd probably call a young boy, leave some messages, you know, tell him I'm going to see him when I see him. And, you know, if that's all I got, that's not going to be all I got. But if it's all I got, you do crazy things. I'm always, for I'm always so. going to have a toolbox around with the wrench. <laughs> always. Always. But, yeah, he got arrested um, by Aberdeen, New Jersey police for bringing the sword to and making terroristic threats at an October basketball event for parents of a travel basketball team. So, I, wait. So, you know, oh, okay. So, it was a youth football player, but it just happened to be at a basketball event. So, he just mixing sports. He mixing weapons. Um, he catching he catching them for the, in the off season for what he did in the season. Right. His daughter was probably a I'm trying to give him I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt, B, but I'm reading more and more about this story as we're on the air. They said over the summer, Rogers left a profanity filled voicemail for the father of an eleven year old football player on another team. That's because he he played and coached at Matawan uh, Regional High School and coached at the St. John Vianney High School and caused further problems for herself, you know, leaving this this message for the father of an 11-year-old player. I don't know what the 11-year-old could have done. Um, in that voicemail, at the time he was the coach of the Matawan American Youth Football, threatened to blitz every effing play until your guy comes out of the game. So I don't know what this little dude did to him. Maybe he egged his house. Maybe he did a little something with his daughter. Um, I don't know, man, but I'm not going to get his due any more time. Not knowing all the facts, I'm going to just give him one. Alright, next up, your man Adrian Broner. So you know anytime his name comes up, a JoJo Ward is involved. Uh, he was in court this week and he pleads not guilty to forcibly kissing a woman at a Cleveland nightclub. Um, this is not the first time. Like he, he's always, Yo. he's always a fixture in the Me Too movement. And Yo, like, guess, if he gets off again, I'm like, how does he keep getting the benefit of the doubt? Like <laughs> these allegations, if they keep coming, it's not just like people picking on this dude. But Yo, I guess I'm, I guess I'm in the wrong because I'm just gonna go ahead and say, a he's guilty. B, I hope for cruel and unusual punishment. C, why does he always get off? D, there's very few human beings that I wish jail upon. But come on, man. Come on, man. <laughs> we leave I'm, not off D. I'm not defending him. And uh, E? What about black on <laughs> I ain't killing my man. All right, so look, man. Yeah. Like I, I watched the court video only because I expected him to do or say something crazy, and it he he seemed to be quiet and respectful to judge. You know, he was up in there with a with a black hoodie on, 
Um, I guess he's still like, I ain't suiting and boot for nobody um, that I don't want to suit and boot for. So, you know, shout out to him for that. But um, sometimes you got to do what you got to do or risk your freedom. You know, they already got some preconceived notions of you when you come up in there. So, I, I don't know, man. Adrian Broner, one of them dudes, full of talent. Could have been that guy, but he wanted to put the, the, the cart before the horse. He wanted to be Floyd before he put in the hard work that Floyd has put in. Like, I don't necessarily like the way Floyd carries himself outside of the ring, but at the same time, you know, we can, we can just stop short of saying at least he earned the right to do some of the stuff that he does, you know, especially with the money and, and the showing off and all that. Adrian Broner want to be the same way, and he probably got like sixteen more dollars than me in, in in his bank account. So it's like you can't be Floyd before you put in the work to be Floyd. Like he didn't already got your ass kicked a couple times, and you're young, but you had the talent. He's a very talented dude, but you know so he doesn't take law, everything serious enough because he already thinks he's that dude. From a from a career from a career standpoint, quick verses on air. Impromptu, Zab Judah or Adrian Bronner? Oh man, two jackass. <laughs> I would say I would say Zab, man. But every time you say the name Zab, man, I keep thinking about you know that famous video where Costa Zoo knocked him out like four times in one punch. <laughs> and he jumped up. <laughs> he jumped up, did the stanky leg. Yo. Started Yo. screaming at the Is ref that... for no reason. Turned his back, That's fell again. Awesome. Leg all right, man. I be always wanting to ask him, yo, your leg? Yeah, I think Torres Meniscus doing the stanky leg when he jumped up. Um, no, but I would say Zab Judah, but but damn, if that's not in the back of my mind every time, like you'd be like, how can you think somebody's a great boxer after they got knocked out like that? But he, but Zab Judah was good, man. But but that knockout will forever live in infamy in the back of anybody's brain who's seen it before. Crazy knockout. The people in the chat room. I know Kev saw it. Neil's in the chat room too. If you've never seen this, I'm a I'm gonna post a link in the chat room in a few minutes when I when I get time to look for it. Um, that ain't lying. Bull got knocked out four times with one punch. He went to sleep on four separate occasions. He got knocked out four times. He should t- he should have took four losses in that fight. Um mm-hmm. <laughs> next story. Um, and we definitely got to give Adrian Broner this. And before we even start this next story, um, Mexico City, uh, the, the what's the stadium called? The Estadio Azteca, whatever, and NFL and everybody who was supposed to get the game ready for Mexico City. All of y'all. And I say this because the NFL and Mexico City made a deal, just like they do with London every year, to get Mexico City in on this series of games outside of the U.S. Now, the game has turned into one of the biggest games of the year because both of the participants in it are nine and one. They're in different conferences. This could be a Super Bowl preview. And the week of the game, the field looks like 
somebody tried to eat it. Like, I don't know what was wrong with, like, it, like you know, it looked like a thousand cookie monsters got released on the field and they tried to eat the turf. So players started seeing photos of this on social media, and they were like, nah, I'm not really trying to play there. So the NFL got in the scramble mode. The first thing I heard is that they were going to go down there and try to resod it, but they were thinking it's, it might be too little too late. So they actually moved the game to L.A. L.A. was supposed to be the home team. The Rams were supposed to be the home team in this anyway. Um, and shout out to all the people who were like, oh, now the Rams get a, a, a extra home game. It's not an extra home game. Um, you know, some people are saying the right things, an unexpected home game. Shout out to, to Homie Survive. He said unexpected. But I heard some people say the Rams get an extra home game. No, they don't get an extra home game because they were actually giving up their home game to go down here and play in Cookie Monster Stadium down in Mexico City. So they're moving it back. But the biggest part, like, is they're in scramble mode. They had to get concessions, security. They had to get all of that, all the logistics straight in L.A. for an unplanned game. So people who thought they weren't going to be working this weekend are now having to work. But that's not the biggest problem. B, what about the fans who got stuck with these travel costs? Tickets for this game? Flights? Hotels? There's one fan, uh, Eli Medina, he told KMBC9 that he spent around $2,300 on travel plans to see the game. He said he got an Airbnb and a flight booked um, oh, and this is a woman. She says she's not canceling her trips and expects to watch the game on TV in Mexico City. I'll be damned if I got to watch it. I'm calling somebody in New York at the NFL offices. I'm not flying to Mexico City to watch football on TV. Like, no, it's not going to happen. And what about all the tickets that were sold for that game in Mexico City? Like, the NFL has to reimburse people. But how many people get tickets on the secondary and – I'm going to make up a word, third dairy market these days. So everybody's not going to get their <laughs> money back. Third dairy market. A lot of, everybody's not going to get their money back for this. For this tertiary, this brother, but I like third dairy better than tertiary. <laughs> I, no, I like third dairy. Um, you know my vocabulary is not that great. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Estadio Azteca, NFL, Mexico City is a, is a, uh, a crew Joe of record label animals. <laughs> All of y'all should be ashamed of yourself, man. Um, so the the kicker, former NFL kicker Raul Alegre, who's a Mexico native, you know, they interviewed him because he's Mexican, I guess. He says, I feel devastated, angered, and ashamed of all that all that together. I'm still trying to figure out how small minds were so irresponsible in the preparations for a game of this magnitude. I know that the world does not revolve around the NFL, but this is a great event not only for the sport but for the country, and it's inconceivable how it was taken so lightly, and I agree with every word you just said. First of all, like I said, this is a game. They probably didn't even know this, you know, what exactly they were getting when it was scheduled. The Rams were supposed to be that good, but the Chiefs, they weren't necessarily supposed to be this good. It's also a Monday night game. This could be a Monday night contest that is a preview, a precursor to the Super Bowl. Bowl. And they dropped the ball on it, and they're getting the game snatched from them. The problem is they went to the Mexican government. They went to the Mexican government instead of going to El Chapo. El Chapo would (laughs) have had Phil White. That's who you got to talk to. 
But El Chapo might be why the field look like that, though, man. It might be tunnels under that field. And now the sinkhole is coming in. So I don't know. El Chapo might be the reason. Um, but but either way, man, this was handled wrong. Bunch of. Circus! <laughs> all kinds of stuff went wrong. Um, is Mexico uh, is a football country, but it is close enough to the U.S. that they do have a huge NFL following. So, right. yeah. Where do you think all the Rams the fans come from? All the fans in the Cali in Texas. <laughs> when I went out to the Rams stadium last year, it was, it was, let's say, 80% Latino and 60% Eagles fans. So, you know, if you're in California and, you know, the Rams haven't been there in years, you just pick a team. So the Eagles got a big following out there for some reason. Either they have a big following or these people dress up and whoever, you know, whatever the away team is, they dress up in their jerseys, come out to the Or their neighborhood, neighborhood colors is green. But I ain't say that, though. Keep moving. Man. So, so last thing on this, because we got to get off of this. The uh, AP reports that an NFL study showed – a $45 million influx into the economy of the Mexican capital for the 2016 game against uh, featuring the Texans and the Raiders. That game probably was trash. Um, so, you know, because of that, they said reason dictates that a game of the magnitude of the Rams and Chiefs would stand to, to draw more interest and more money. So the NFL and, you know, Mexico City as a whole are missing out on a whole lot of money. And they got a deal with Mexico City City to stage games at this particular stadium through 2021. I bet you they won't drop the ball on this again. And I'm thinking, I play soccer in that stadium, the, the Cookie Monster Stadium, which will be known henceforth <laughs> and so on, Cookie Monster Stadium. All right, last story. I know you don't be on the Internet all week like the rest of us. So uh, it's hard to discuss this one with you because this is actual video. Um, there were two Division three teams playing basketball, Fitchburg State uh, versus Nichols College. Um, there was a play where a uh, little white dude was shooting a three from the corner, uncontested, but one of the defenders came out. You know how you would come out and just try to jump at the three? No, he came out after the ball was released. As he was running, took a quick glance at the baseline ref, gave his dude a flying elbow to the face. <laughs> you got to see the video. Oh. Watch it afterwards. It it, it was oh. savage. It was it was devastating. Um, the the other ref, the, the the ref on the sideline, he saw it, caught an am one, caught a tech. The dude was kicked out of the game. And he's been uh, suspended indefinitely by his school and banned from uh, the school altogether until further notice, whatever that means. But you got to see this video because it was real savage. Because it's a viral video, you know what I expect to hear. Uh, I'm a, he called me. He called me an N word. That's what I expect to hear. Yeah, but they I'm definitely going to peep it. They reviewed the game tapes and they couldn't find anything leading up to that moment where it looked like these guys had gotten into anything. 
the play right before it, like the the series down on the other end of the court before it was the dude throwing the elbow, shooting a step back wild three pointer that was at least ten feet airballed away from the rim. So that might have just all been frustrated frustration with himself being garbage. And he just came out, Yo. you know, my three was ten feet away took- from the basket. Your three was all net. I'm gonna take your face off. I didn't know that they took Division Three uh, basketball that seriously. That's like one level under uh, Howard University in a Euro ball from the 90s. Like, <laughs> Is it under? Because in the murals, you know, we traveled and played some in some crazy tournaments that I don't know if a Division Three school could have. Under. I said Division Three is under. And then um, the also, also, shout out to Jill Scott. Um, Something else, just yeah, just, just Google because. Jill Scott, and you um, just see because. what I'm talking about. But shout out, shout out to Jill Scott. Um, Grown I like what's going woman. on right now. Um, just Google that on YouTube if you haven't seen it yet. Just just, just Google Jill Scott microphone, and you'll see exactly yeah. uh, what I'm talking about. But I'm gonna um, I'm I'm well I'm, I'm gonna send you this video. Where do you want me to send you this Fitchburg, Fitchburg State video? Anywhere. <laughs> All right, I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a send you that, and then I'm going to put the, the other video I was talking about in the chat room of Zab Judah getting knocked out multiple times in one fight of one punch. Um, I'm going to put this one in there, too, for everybody to see. Uh, yeah, so uh, that's what happened this week, good people, while y'all were on the grind. B, I sent you the joint by like G chat. <laughs> check check dude out swinging on homie with the elbow. All right, so uh, real quick we are gonna get some quick birthday shout outs and we only have two and the birthdays still are without a sponsor, so this will be real quick. Birthdays are brought to you by uh, whoever made you, whoever raised you. Shout out to Jason Dunn. You remember Jason Dunn, former tight end. On your Philadelphia Eagles, I think he was a backup tight end. He wasn't that good, so you know, if you don't remember him, it's not yeah, too much tried, of a thing. But we love him. But shout out to him. He turns 45 years old today. Um, and also Damn. shout out to Greg Anthony, uh, former UNLV and you know NBA point guard. Uh, now he's a pretty good uh, commentator, announcer, players only. Does a lot of stuff around NCAA tournament time. Greg Anthony's pretty good at what he does. Um, shout out to Chris Weber for yeah. being the anti-Greg Anthony. Um, so shout out to both of these guys on their birthdays. War Room Salute. My birthday. Happy birthday. Yay. All right. It's time for us to talk some hoops. And uh, this NBA talk is brought to you by. Yep. I don't know who the hell NBA brought to you by, personally. Um Digital Extreme Technologies. Do you or your business need a custom website? Well, for dynamic, professional, and most of all, affordable custom website solutions, you need Digital Extreme Technologies. No need to break the bank for an effective online presence. Top quality, results-driven websites at incredibly affordable prices. And yes, financing options are available. You can put something on it. Visit digitalextremetech.com or call 267 205 Four two zero three, and for discounted rates, be sure to tell them that War Room Sports sent you. And even if you don't have your own business and you have no need for 
um, a website of any kind. Come on, guys. We know Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all your friends. You have at least one friend per week who comes on and put a stat- puts a status up saying, does anybody know any web developers? Developers, Put the info in my inbox. So make sure you put digitalextremetech.com in their inbox or 267-205-4203. Let's talk some hoop. Jimmy, I know you out there listening somewhere. Shout out to you. I hope that weather don't got you all hemmed up. Uh, <laughs> we hope you good. We expected to hear from you by now. All right. NBA Players of the Week won C.J. McCollum from the Portland Trailblazers for the Western Conference. And for the Eastern Conference, nope. Pascal Siakam from the uh, Toronto Raptors. Um, this is that's interesting. I was talking to people in the chat earlier today, and I was telling them I see it. I watch a lot of Raptors games uh, for some reason, and I never knew this dude's first name. Every time they refer to him, they refer to him as Siakam. Like his first name never got any shine on any of the broadcasts <laughs> I, I caught of the, of the Raptors. Um, maybe people just like to say Siakam. I have never seen him play in an NBA game, but I have been watching the uh, UCLA runs uh, in the summertime, and uh, he was giving out V2s and 1099s in the run. You are okay. So, so this was to be, this was to be accept, uh, expected. Um, he was supposed to. No, no, I'm not saying there's there's some guys okay. that work there and, and end up on the bench. Shout out to Fred Van Fleet. <laughs> Freddie Van, Freddie Van. All right, I think I also got that Zab Judah footage. Um, I'm a, <laughs> oh my God, I'm trying not to laugh. I'm trying not to watch it. He got up chastising the ref for no reason because he got knocked out. All right, so um, I'm sending the Zab Judah. He got up. Skyview was waiting. He got up and got angry at the ref and told the ref, "Why did you allow that man to hit me that hard?" <laughs> like what could you have possibly been saying to the ref? Yo, that's cheating, ref. He punched me. This is boxing, Zab. Wake up. All right. <laughs> so what are we talking about? The players of the week. Um, Siakam and CJ. Pascal Siakam and the I like saying Siakam too, so I kind of see it. Um, Siakam and the Raptors uh, were three and zero last week. He put up averages of 20 points per game, 4.3 rebounds on 72.4% shooting. C.J. McCollum Dying. for the Portland Trailblazers, who also went 3-0 and last week, he put up 25.7 points per game, 4.3 rebounds, 3 assists. That's kind of – like, C.J. McCollum impresses me year after year. Like, this dude came from Lehigh. <laughs> like, like Lehigh. not expect to see this. Right, right, right. I mean, he was a part of that team that beat Duke in the first round of the NCAA tournament. But, okay, we were like, ah, that Duke team wasn't that great anyway. So an upset was looming at some point. Why not Lehigh? But he's coming to the NBA and, you know, made himself one of the better shooting guards. So shout out to CJ McCollum and shout out, shout out to the homie Siakam um, for Toronto. <laughs> you said a CJ what? CJ is a top ten shooting guard. Yeah, he's top ten. You know, and Lehigh wasn't mentioned at all, but <laughs> he's, he's top ten. Got to be top ten. He might be top five 
shooting guard position ain't that deep. And then, you know, in this world of quote-unquote positionless basketball, half of these dudes, you don't know if you're supposed to consider them shooting guards or small forwards. So you don't know, like, we I don't know if Jimmy Butler, Paul George, like if they get put into that mix when we talk about best two guards because they they play a lot of two guard. They also play a lot of small forwards. So who knows? All right. So what's happening this week in basketball? I just spoke of Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler is now a member of your Philadelphia 76ers, B. Austin. Um, he was traded to the Sixers. He and Justin Patton. Um, somebody that won't be used uh, for Robert Covington, Dario Saric, uh, and a future second round pick. Um, he did play for the first time last night. The trade was made late last week. It was announced on Monday officially, and he played Wednesday against the Magic. They actually ended up losing by five to the Magic after holding a 16 point lead. Uh, it's the Sixers was new. They blow leads. Um, it didn't look terrible. didn't look bad at all, except for the fact that they went on that kind of a run to get back into and steal the game. But I think you put most of that on the coach for not calming yeah. the waters when that kind of run is going on. But you saw some positive things in the game. Jimmy didn't seem to, you know, he looked like a guy who just joined the team. He didn't look like he wanted to just take over right away. He had He scored 14 points in the loss didn't do what people probably expect him to do moving forward in the fourth quarter, but it'll come, you know, it's his first day playing with the guys. It's actually his first day besides what they may have done on the off season, you know, all these dudes meet and talk at some point in the off season, but this might've been the first time he ever met these dudes because he got to, he got to Philly on Monday. The team was already on the road trip. They were in Miami and then went straight to, Orlando. So he did all of his press and everything he had to do Monday, flew down to Orlando, I think, on Tuesday night. So this was the first time he got to meet these dudes. And then the next day, you know, they're running ball together. So it'll get better. Right. You know, I'm not I'm not well, worried about it. But what do you think moving forward? How does this shift any balance of power in the East, if it shifts any balance of power in the East? Because we know, you know, it was all Boston coming into the season. Um, now Boston right. and Philly, their slow starts. It's been Toronto and Milwaukee. So what do you see with Jimmy Butler joining this 76ers team? Well, first I would like to say that I'm happy that we got rid of the sack of shit that is Robert Covington. Uh, <laughs> God bless him, good riddance. Um, <laughs> um, I think Jimmy Butler – um, I think that Jimmy Butler, you know, and the sad thing is that's one of those things where men lie, women lie, and so do numbers. Because by the stats, Robert, Robert Covington is a, a, a good to very good player. But our eye test tells us that the numbers are definitely lying. <laughs> Jimmy Yo, let me let me let me before you move on. Let me address that real quick for all the people out there who don't watch Sixers games, um, in in full. Robert Covington is so overrated right now, but without him being overrated nationally like that, they may not have been able to pull off this trade. So, thank you, prisoner of the moment. Thank you, you know, culture of immediacy. Thank you for people 
who just watch highlights and look at box scores, who do who just li- or just listen to some of these national pundits who also don't watch games. Like y'all swear these dudes on ESPN and Fox Sports One be out here watching games. These dudes are just like regular fans uh, watching their favorites and everything else. They're getting numbers and stats fed to them by their company. They don't have to put in the kind of work that we put in because we don't have slaves like they do. We actually got to watch games here. Robert Covington, that first team all-defense nod that he got last season skyrocketed his stock. And as a defender, he's also over. He's a dude that gets his hands on a lot of balls, no Serbia. But so, you know, he's good in the passing lanes. Um, He's good with deflections. He has quick hands. He's good to, like, knock a a ball off of your leg and go out of bounds on you, that kind of stuff. But one-on-one, man-on-man, Robert Covington gets cooked by everybody. Not not some people, by everybody the Sixers put him on. And because people are fooled into thinking he is what he is, you know, they like to put him on. Point guards, that's a no-go. Shooting guards, small forwards. Robert Covington, man-on-man, gets cooked nightly. But since he has these stats where he's going to get steals, He's going to get his hands on a lot of deflections. Um, um, The defensive win shares from the analytics nerds are going to be there. Uh, The the plus minus uh, defensively when he's on the floor, all of that analytics, analytical nerd stuff that gives people credit for stuff and and doesn't give credit to the the lineup that they're in there with. You know, if you're playing most of your minutes with Joel Embiid and he's erasing every mistake that you make, then – the numbers are going to look good while you're in there, but he's so overrated. It's a shame. And the three-point shooting, yeah. oh, my gosh. He's not wide open. He's not making it. He does nothing under pressure. You cannot depend on him if he can't put the yeah. ball on the floor. People know. Like, there's a lot of people talking about how good he played last night in Minnesota. And I'm happy for him. I hope he does play well. I don't dislike him. I'm just trying to tell people that they're delusional. Even no. Scott, you in the in – in the chat room, he said, meanwhile, Covington was looking like a juggernaut in Minnesota. I wouldn't say juggernaut, but he played well last night, and I hope he keeps playing well. I gave my but brother an alley Not for my team. And he dunked it. I dabbed it. I dunked it four times. <laughs> Jimmy, oh, yeah, he did. You yeah. double dunked. You you I jumped over four. I jumped yeah. over four people. Um, I, <laughs> I think that Jimmy Butler gives us an alpha dog closer who's not afraid to take the shots that Ben Simmons can't and Markel Markel Fultz will not ever. Um, And it's unfair to expect Joel Embiid to take as a seven-foot-two center, but is capable. So he gives a wing presence, a dominant wing presence to complement a low post uh, presence we still need shooting. If we throw J.J. Redick in the starting lineup, uh, that will open up floor spacing, I believe. We need some bit shooting. Um, but I don't think – the people that are as hype, are hype about Jimmy Butler, I don't think it makes us as good as they think. But the people that are down on Jimmy Butler thinking that he's going to tear up the locker room with his old man get-off-my-lawn attitude – I definitely don't think that's going to happen because um, 
Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons are the type of young bulls where they're going to listen, but they're going to do their own thing. They have high self-esteem. Cat uh, and Andrew Wiggins have the esteem of a young man that, that believes their mom was a lady of the night. Like, they don't have high self-esteem, so Jimmy getting on them was like when Michael Jordan got on Kwame Brown and robbed him of his, of his soul. So you don't have that to worry about with the team makeup, I believe. So I think we'll be all right. I think Jimmy has a strong personality. I think Joel Embiid has one of the stronger personalities in the league. And rather than clash, I think once they get, you know, the jockeying for position out of the way and, and, and the normal testosterone that comes with uber-talented players, I think they'll be a, a, a good team. They'll bond. And Jimmy may even stay, man. Jimmy may stay. Yeah. It may not Stavio be. Stavio said he hadn't really watched Butler, but he said Stephen A. was right. He's a dog. Jimmy is definitely a dog. That should always be, like, the first thing you say about Jimmy because, like, Jimmy is not as good as Jimmy thinks he is. <laughs> like, the way he's been handling his business this season, you would think he was Jimmy James or LeBron Butler or somebody um, with the power that he's been trying to wield. Um, I, I, I agree, B. I just think, but you know, this could what be. What makes him good? That confidence yeah, and that confidence. Right. That confidence I think it's a good fit out of the like the small forwards who were you know who were available at the beginning of the season. Um I would put him third, of course. You know, you have to go Kawhi, PG, then maybe Jimmy, because they're yeah. both better jump shooters than Jimmy. Um not that, you know, like I said, that's not the end-all, be-all. Like, that's what everybody talks about. I know that the league is a jump-shooting league now, but for certain players, certain types, that whole he needs to get a J or he's not going to be able to be successful stuff is, is getting way overblown. Um, no, and he's, he's got a J. He's, he's got no, a nice shot. He's no, just not I'm, a, I'm talking about overall because, you know, of course, as Sixers fans, we hear that a lot because – you know, we're dealing with Ben Simmons. We're dealing with Marco Fultz. Marco Fultz, I, and we'll talk about him a little bit later. Like, his situation is not the same as Ben Simmons. Marco Fultz was, right. was injured, period, and is still not 100% healthy. And we got some inside, you know, news about that. We'll talk about that in a, in a, in a minute. But I think it's a good fit, you know. You don't want to lose to an Orlando, you know, even if Jimmy didn't show up for that game. You don't want to lose to them anyway, so it was a bad loss, but nobody should look too far into it. You know, it's guys getting to know each other, getting to learn each other. The coach, I blame him for a lot of what happened yesterday, but to be fair to him as well, he has to learn rotations, who can play with this new guy, you know. So so it was a, a big learning process yesterday, and the learning process is going to go on for a little while. But I think it was a very good pickup. You know, I never wanted to lose Sarich, but the way he started this season, I was I was like, okay, whatever. Like, this is a dude I was trying to hold on to at all costs, but he wasn't making me look good on that. So they did it. What's done is done. You know, it's whatever. Um, I think they to can get, to get survive. Jimmy, to get Jimmy Butler, I'm okay. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with losing Sarich. I'm okay. I'm definitely okay with losing a sack of shite. 
and I'm okay with Jared oh, no, uh, Bayless. I, I, I put yeah, Jared Bayless was we've been one of him off the roster. He he hadn't dressed in I don't know how long. Um, and Robert Covington, I put him in every deal anybody ever brought up to me. Well, if you ain't taking him, then no deal. So we finally got somebody to take him. <laughs> so, so no, Robert Covington. Damn, damn the front office and Elton Brand. Damn, trade Sack of shite. So, I, so I, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm good with it. And I think you know it may take a minute to gel, but I think they will be all right. I think it's other things going on on the team. That need to even be a bigger focus than meshing with Jimmy and Skyview and I were just talking about that in the, um, in the in the chat. Yeah. Ben Simmons, who you know I was a big proponent of, especially arguing with Skyview last season. Um, I was a big proponent of his, and I still think anytime Ben Simmons steps on a basketball court in the NBA, he's arguably the best player on the court. No matter who's on the court, you can make an argument for him that he's the best player or, you know, one of the top two or three players on the court at all times. But I think sometimes he forgets that. He's he's become kind of, you know, removed sometimes from some of the action. Like, he'll let the ball go over here, and he'll just chill and let everything else happen. I know they are running this motion offense where it's a lot of passing and moving and stuff like that, but you still have to engage yourself because as much criticism as, as he takes for not taking jump shots, the dude can get to the rim at will. Like, there's no no film, no scouting report that's going to be able to stop a 6'10 dude going to the rim whenever he feels like it. LeBron has made a career off of it. And when LeBron has those seasons where his jump shot is hitting and, and those games where it is water, that's just icing on the cake. Ben is nowhere near that. But no, you can't stop him from going to the rim. But I think sometimes the reason why – he shies away from going to the rim at will is because he knows you're going to have to take that ass to the foul line, which he's been doing better at this season, so I'm not going to totally criticize that. But I'm not a proponent of, oh, you should just start doing stuff outside of your game, shoot more jump shots. I'm like, for what? We got people on the team for that. For as many shooters as people thought we gave up and let walk, like there are people on the team, if you watch the team, Shamit, Muscala, J.J. Redick, like they have shoes. No, they have shoes. JJ Reddick, you just have JJ to get Reddick, Shamit into the Bellinelli role, and you have to get Muscala into the Ilyasova role. And I think once they get comfortable with the team, they could be even better for the team. The only difference between Shamit, Muscala, Bellinelli, and Ilyasova is experience and confidence. Once you get them on the same level of confidence, because Bellinelli will shoot any goddamn. Once you get them on that same level of confidence, they'll be better because both of those guys can do a little bit more than those other guys, especially Bellinelli. He couldn't handle the ball at all. So even though he was in there, you know, opening up the floor for us, he was one of the reasons why we couldn't do much with the Celtics because we didn't have any ball handlers. You know what I'm saying? Fultz wasn't getting the time because Brett Brown wasn't ready to play him after just getting 14 games in and minimal minutes in the regular season. Um, all you had was Ben Simmons and TJ McConnell that can handle the ball. And, you know, Bellinelli, as much as they helped us get to where they got last season, it was as much of a liability as as help when it really got down can't, to it, when people started pressuring the team. Shamit yeah, can handle. Yeah, Shamit right. can handle. He can get his own shot. So 
So, you know, once he gets the confidence of a Bellinelli, where he goes out there like, I don't give a damn, I'm going to shoot anything. And it's coming every game. You know Sam is not shy. He gets, he, he puts them up. You know what my issue, my issue with those folks are is, like, when you take, you know, obviously the gods out of Golden State, take them out of the conversation. Maybe you take Kyle Korver out of that conversation as well. J.J. Redick is a top five shooter in the world, in my opinion. Like, we acting like J.J. Redick doesn't shoot 42 43% from deep. Oh, he's, and he's top five shooter stroke. in the world, yeah, even when you got those guys in the conversation. J.J. That's is crazy right. with it. Yeah, let's Shout not, out to let's your not get house. Remember, remember your man House said J.J. wouldn't be in the league after a year? But he said Adam yeah, Morrison was going to be a star. You'd be wrong yeah, like 96% of the time. <laughs> but never stops talking trash. Shout out to my man House. <laughs> JJ, I, I love him. <laughs> so yeah, man, that's that's you know the whole Jimmy thing. Just you know, give him a little bit of patience. I mean, during the learning curve, we still should be beating the Orlando's and the Hawks and those type of teams. So we can't be dropping that um, just because we're in a learning process. So get that together at least. They got Utah coming in uh, on Friday, so. That's going to be a little bit more difficult, but it could be done. Um, Mello is on his way out of Houston after only 10 games with the club. Uh, it's not working out like they thought it would at this point because Houston is struggling and they're doing this now. I kind of think Mello is being scapegoated here because Mello's not doing yep. Mello, the fit is not what you thought it could be, but Mello's not the reason that Houston is struggling right now. You know, but this is one of those things. We talked about it earlier when Tobias called in. We talked about Dirk Cutter. You have to point fingers elsewhere before the finger gets back to you. It buys you time to point fingers at somebody else because now that they get rid of Melo, they can, you know, management will say, all right, well, we'll give the coach a chance. We'll see what he can do with a different rotation Yo, without Melo and it, blah, blah, blah. I ain't even going to you. I hope they lose every game. And I got a little <laughs> Melo bias because. I've always liked his game, and I've always thought catches a bit of a raw deal. Um, Does he? And the fans buy into sure. this, man. The fans buy into it. I don't He's know. I don't know. I don't know where he is athletically or physically compared to where he was maybe, say, five years ago. Obviously, he's older. He's 32, 33, 33 years old. But I feel like in the right situation – Melo can still give you 18 and 19 a game, and he can give it to you efficiently. And then there's this narrative oh, he can do that, that Melo's in not the a right situation, but the right situation to do that is not what a contender. Now, with a contender, yeah. he can come in and give you 12, 13. Hey, we just lost Dario. Melo can be the black Dario, stretch four, as long as he knows his role yeah. and he knows he's not Melo and then, anymore. And then, and then the, other thing, the other thing with Melo is – I don't know where this narrative started that Melo's not a shooter. People are like, Melo can only shoot from 15 to 17. Uh, no. <laughs> what do you shoot from anywhere about? And get a shot from Yeah, anywhere. like, so, I don't. But I acknowledge, yeah. you know, I'm a fan, but I acknowledge he's not Melo anymore. And it seems that he accepted the role. I mean, this is the first time in his career that he's come off the bench and he accepted that. That was worse than the, the fit with, OKC last season, like you know, it's it's just 
like I said, it's, a, it's about fit. And then you hear fans running around saying, repeating dumb stuff, talking about Melo's a cancer when the teams are saying nothing but great things about him. They're just saying what Melo does is just not really what we need right now. But Houston is point, you know, they're just buying time and putting up a smoke screen because they undervalued things like defense when they got, when they let uh, Trevor no, Ariza uh, get away. When you let like Trevor and Mbob, you know, Mbob Mute get away, you know, and you try to bum replace bum them bum with a guy who's only offense, like that's not Melo's fault. That's your fault that you took a championship caliber team with a with a formula and tried to mix the formula because you were too cocky to believe that, you know, and plus y'all, they're in the names race right now. Golden State got all these teams just trying to add names. We don't care about how to fit in. We just going to put names in there because they got names. Everything Golden State does, they do it differently than people perceive it being done. And when they copy it, it looks ridiculous. Like teams swear, they swear that all Golden State does is, is launch threes. That is the farthest thing from the truth. But everything, everybody's out there launching threes now because they think they're playing like Golden State. Everybody's they picking up names of Golden State. But they're they get in the lane at will. Even, <laughs> at Clay, even Clay's non-dribbling ass gets a lot of mid-range and layups, believe it or not. He's and he flashing. can't even dribble. And they pass. Yeah, they pass yeah. a lot. That's what people aren't doing. They pass. It's yeah. not about launching threes. In Houston, Ball movement. just Isos up with Harden. Iso and Ford up. Chris Paul. And and they launch a bunch of threes. Like everybody swear they're trying to copy this this formula, but they're getting the formula all wrong. Basketball if if you know basketball, Houston and, and, and Golden State are actually polar opposites. Like literally polar opposites. If you know ball, they're not the same. Just because they shoot a lot of three, they're not the same. Houston is an isolation, isolation and pick and roll offense. Golden okay. State is strictly ball movement with a little bit of pick and roll every now and again, but they move the ball and cut off of, cut off of uh, 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 two bigs that can handle and make plays for the. For they the have willing play. that's passers, willing willing passers, ball movement. All right, but um, yeah, so Melo's being scapegoated. Um, shout out to Casey Mack in, in the chat. He says uh, Melo's being tre- treated like AI. And AI noticed it because AI tweeted uh, something at, at Melo, um, telling him to keep up the fight. He's, a, he's definitely seen this story before. Um, speaking of the champs, though, they had some beef this week um, and a loss yes, to was it was it was it Dallas the Hawks? I forgot who they played. Either way. Um, it was a tie game. A uh, few seconds left. They got the rebound. Uh, Draymond got the rebound. Didn't pass it to anybody with any real skills. Dribbled up the court. <laughs> Lost the ball. Turnover. Went to overtime, and they ended up losing. But when that happened, he and Kevin Durant had words because Kevin Durant was clapping for the ball the whole time. And he didn't give it to him. So they had some words. Um that went from bench to the locker room after the game, I heard that it got so heated that other teammates kind of jumped in and were actually defending Kevin Durant. 
The team later came out and suspended Draymond Green for a game for conduct detrimental to the team. So I guess, you know, they're all in trying to get Durant to come back. So they took his side. The funny thing about this whole thing, and I heard what uh, Draymond was saying to him. First of all, he called him a bitch. Um, I don't see no lies there. (laughs) Show me the lie. But secondly, they said he was talking about his free agency. Like, you know, you're making it a spectacle by not saying anything. You know what I mean? When you know you're not coming back and all that kind of stuff. And that's where a lot of people think Draymond crossed the line, being chatty-patty, talking about another man's money. But the ironic part about this is Draymond is the dude who texts Kevin Durant to get him to come to the team. And now Yo. the team seems to be picking that dude over you, and I think that's where Draymond kind of felt disrespected deep, in this whole thing. Deep and that's down, why he went off on the dude. Deep, deep down, I, I feel like I can relate to Draymond uh, oh, no um, I can relate to Draymond a little bit in this situation because I feel like deep down in even Draymond, Steph, and Clay, they love having Durant the weapon around. But in their mind, Draymond is a bit of an old school type of guy cut from a cloth that's that's aged. He's He's a little bit older in spirit than his years. And here's what I mean by that. Deep down, I think Draymond's like, I didn't go to you. You came to us. We made you. You score all the points you want. He said a part of the conversation was Draymond saying, we won without you, cuz. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And and I know I know me, again, I, I kind of put myself in, in people's shoes and I can I can empathize with his position. Now, I, I get it, and that that's that part of the conversation. On the basketball court, Draymond, you need to give the ball. In that situation, you need to give the ball to the guy who's way better than you 11 times out of 10. Not 10 times out of 10, not 9 times out of 10, 11 times out of 10. You need to give Durant the ball. Durant. That same situation, put the ball up the left side, if you remember, in the finals, and knock down a 35-footer. Walk off. Like, Jeremiah, you don't have to to, all right, so you get you get by everybody, you go in the lane, and you do what? What are you going to do? <laughs> I think he was going to pass it just not to Kevin Durant. There was something like, because when he lost the ball, it looked like he was trying to get the ball up in a passing motion. I don't I don't recall who was over there on that side of the court. But Kevin Durant was behind him, not really running, clapping for the ball. And the funny thing is, Draymond's mom tweeted something like that. I don't have the exact tweet up, but she was saying, Draymond is far from selfish. She was like, instead of, you know, standing back there clapping, Kevin Durant should have ran the lane, you know, ran down his lane like he usually does, and he probably would have gotten the ball. And I think that's probably true. But Kevin Durant didn't – He it wasn't that he just wanted to take the last shot. He wanted to dribble the last shot. He probably wanted to run up – you know, that might be his patented shot now. Run up, you know, knock down the, the three ball and, and walk off from whatever. So maybe he feels more comfortable dribbling into the shot than getting the pass from somebody. So he'd rather Draymond give him the ball there. So miscommunication – Here's where he becomes. Here's where we touch more on Kevin Durant as a BAN. 
you want that shot when you got Steph on the team, Draymond, Clay, Boogie, all them people, but you don't want that shot when it's just you and Russ, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's less pressure when all the other dudes there and it's back in. Um, but shout out to them. Draymond said, you know, of all the big deal that everybody else is making of it, he said it's probably going to make the team better. Um, he said he's never going to change who he is, but he said, uh, yeah, it's probably going to make them better moving forward. Um, so the rest of the league probably need to watch out. So. We'll see. We'll, we'll watch that. He had the, we'll see if the champs are vulnerable because of this. One last thing, and we only got a few more minutes, man. Your man Markel Fultz the other day pump faked the free throw, and the whole world went crazy. Um, it, it was terrible. It was the worst free throw, worst looking free throw he's ever shot. But this is my thing. This is my thing right here. Markel Fultz done a lot of positive things. It goes back again to, every, to who watches games and who doesn't. He's done a lot of positive things so far this season. It seems like those things forever get ignored, but as soon as he goes back to, you know, his free throw, the hitch in his shot or something negative, it seems like it's, you know, front page news. You know, you got the screaming Ace Smiths out there calling him a bus, and you got everybody who was in line when he was the consensus number one pick because of the killer he was at Washington. You got all of those same people talking about how can they pick him over folks? Like, come on, y'all. I mean, over, over Tatum, come on with the hindsight of 2020 crowd because dude was the consensus number one pick. And now everybody want to act like because Tatum is playing better than him right now coming off this injury and he's only 30 games into his NBA career and we live in this culture of immediacy and nobody has time to wait for him to get good. You know, now this is the stuff you hear every time he makes a mistake, but nobody puts it on sports center first story when he's yamming on people, which he does at least once a game, you know what I'm saying? His mid range games looks fine. He still has that little bit of a hitch in his last few free throws. And that one was terrible. I cannot defend that one, I'm but there's more to the story. I'm, I, yeah, I don't care about the, the culture of immediacy. I think the young boy is going to be fine. I'm concerned about his health. Talk to me about the injury and the health. I'm going to talk to you about the injury because this injury, because, you know, you hear people out there just repeating the dumbness that they hear. He got the yips. Nobody knows. People know that they've never even said the word yips in their life until they start hearing people say that about Markel Falls, and we might run a, a few minutes over on this because we got to get this out. Um, so he, uh, the the rumors have been that everything started with, uh, like, after, during the preseason, after Summer League, all that kind of stuff, you know, before the hitch came and he tried to change his shot, said he was in a motorcycle accident. Now, his camp allegedly didn't want to publicize this because they were afraid of the repercussions with the 76ers, right? So this whole time, you know, they're just talking about this muscular imbalance, this scapular thing, but nobody's talking about why or when or how it happened. They're just trying to rehab this phantom injury, and the Sixers didn't know where it came from. Just these stupid stories came out. He forgot how to shoot. Like, how dumb do people sound repeating this? Look at his footage from Washington. This dude was a killer. He didn't forget how to shoot. It's obvious 
that the dude had trouble lifting his arms. And it may have gotten into his psyche because when you you go through a period of doing something with one of your limbs and every time you do that particular motion, it hurts like holy hell, it may be in your head even after the pain has subsided. But he hired Drew Hanlon recently as a shooting coach, which is the best in the business. His shot got better. He's shooting 30% from three, shooting 60 from the line, where he shot 40% from the line and zero from three last year. Um, recently, Drew Hanlon got into an argument on Twitter with a fan. And Drew Hanlon was like, well, you know, don't criticize a player. Criticize me if you want, but don't criticize a player. That's unprofessional. He also said to that person, because the kid is still not healthy. So after this exchange, Fultz can't fire Drew Hanlon, rumors being because he said too much, saying that he wasn't healthy, and they thought if he got into these exchanges, you know, any further, he might let the cat out of the bag. But I'm like, at this point, the Sixers had to have heard the rumors. Now that they're actually being published in stories as, you know, maybe more than just a rumor, like what does he say to the Sixers now when they ask him, to be straight with us and tell us how this shoulder thing happened. But I just think people sound stupid when they walk around talking about, he forgot how to shoot and, and this and that, and, you know, they're repeating the screaming, a Smith, you don't forget how to shoot. I, I, think, Mar- I think Markel both and his camp are tripping by firing Drew Hanlon. I think they need to read that, have a conversation yeah, with, tell with him Drew. The rules. Like, dude, you can't be doing that, but they need to keep yeah. it right. So, so we so got to get out of here, though. Yeah, we do. Got, we got to get out of here. In a nutshell, the dude is, has always been more injured than anybody has let on. The Sixers are, you know, we know we're, they, they've dropped the ball on, you know, injuries and all that kind of stuff in the past. And them not knowing exactly what happened to their, their number one pick is an issue in itself. We'll talk more about this because there's more details. And, of course, we didn't get around to being able to talk about all of them. But it's not a case of this kid forgetting how to shoot. It's not a case of the yips, whatever the hell that is that y'all keep repeating. Um, it's much deeper than that. And we'll get into some more of it next week because uh, Jimmy knows about the story. So we'll talk some more details with him about it. But everybody, as usual, thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in, brothers and sisters, and joining us for another briefing in the war room. Shout out to everyone in the chat room on Facebook, Twitter. War Room Sports Game Time uh, on the Group Me app. And all the callers who called in to holler at us, special thanks to Gus Griffin and Fred Perdue for contributing to the show the way that they do. Uh, tune in next week, live right here on demand, as we uh, live right here or on demand, because you can listen back whenever you want, as we recap NFL Week 11 and preview Week 12. We'll also catch you up on everything happening in the NBA and everything else around the world of sports. So until then, everybody, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the start of your next week, and we'll see you right back here next time. Uh, Be sure to catch our conversations on Facebook, Twitter, as well as our blogs, webcasts, and network podcasts on worldroomsports.com. Also, be sure to pick up my brother Jimmy's book at sportsthebook.com or worldroomsports.com. Until next time, everybody, don't accept mediocrity. Be steadfast in the war against ignorance. And we'll see you chumps on top. Jimmy.
blueprint. Yo. Every Thursday, 6 to 8, they do this. Shout out to Dez. PJ. Be Austin. Dot Bay on replay. War Room Sports.com. Get that mobile app. It's knocked out. Call it 323 working double 012. They be going and you sensitive, then oh well. Yeah. Physical podcast, the tough push. Showtime like magic in the block push. Magic looking alive, push one to join in. Rip your team or listen for your enjoyment. Hip hop dollars, pit stop knowledge. Should be in sports credit as I ain't talking college. Five guys, no beef though. Corporate secrets, but the streets know. Bellafani, I got a chief flow. KC, royalty, I'm in beast mode. Two hours, get your game up. Who's the best in sports cast? You better name us. War Room Sports. www.warroomsports.com What? Ain't no more to it.